Hey, my name is Cindra Kampoff, and I'm a small town Minnesota gal, Minnesota nice as we like to say it, who followed her big dreams. I spent the last four years working as a mental coach for the Minnesota Vikings, working one-on-one -on -one with the players. I wrote a best-selling book about the mindset of the world's best, and I'm a keynote speaker and national leader in the field of sport and performance psychology. And I am obsessed with showing you exactly how to develop the mindset of the world's best so you can accomplish all your goals and dreams. So I'm over here following my big dreams and I'm here to inspire you and practically show you how to do the same. And you know, when I'm not working, you'll find me playing Miss Pac-Man. Yes, the 1980s game, Miss Pac-Man. So take your notepad out, buckle up, and let's go. This is the High Performance Mindset. Welcome to episode 359 with Sue Jackson. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, and I'm grateful that you are here. If you know that mindset is essential to your success, then you are in the right place. First, I want to start off today thanking you from the bottom of my heart. One of my goals in 2020 was to get the podcast to the top 100 podcasts in the U.S. And we did that last week. So I'm over here celebrating and I want to thank you so much for all of your help because we could not have done this without your help. With over a million downloads, I'm grateful that you're sharing this podcast with your friends and your colleagues, that you're posting on social media about the podcast, and that you are tuning in each week. I do these episodes each week for you. You notice there are no advertisements just here to serve and to help you grow. So thank you so much for helping us grow the podcast. So I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart again. I love these episodes when I grow as well as when you grow, and today's episode was a growth episode for me, and I know if I'm learning, you are likely learning too. I heard a lot about Sue during my PhD work at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Her dissertation on flow was literally legendary. Her dissertation won two awards. Uh, the same award as my dissertation did, the NASPY Sports Psychology Academy Award, but she also won the dissertation award for the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. So I am literally interviewing a legend today. And what I most appreciated about our discussion was this idea of the challenge and skill balance and how you can modify that. So let me explain. Today's episode, we're talking about the flow state. Sue is a registered psychologist with a specialization in sports psychology and is an expert in flow and its application to sport excellence. She's been involved in the psychology of flow since completing her PhD on the flow states in elite athletes in the early 1990s. Sue's work in flow has helped to make optimal psychological state understandable and more accessible to all levels of performers, from weekend warriors to Olympic athletes. She has extensively researched with her mentor and the founder of Flow, Mihai Cechsek Mihai. Sue has written a popular book on flow for athletes and coaches with Cechsek Mihai called Flow in Sports, The Keys to Optimal Experiences and Performances. And I definitely recommend you grab the book. Sue has an extensive publication record on flow in sports and has worked in academic positions in sport and exercise psychology for many years. She's developed a suite of flow scales, 
which are self-report instruments that have applicability across diverse range of settings. In addition to her work in the psychology field, Sue is also a yoga and meditation teacher. She believes that mindfulness offers a great skill set for facilitating flow. So here is what Sue and I talk about in this podcast interview. We talk about how to improve your potential to experience flow, what led her to this pioneering work in flow, why finding an activity you enjoy is essential to flow, the role of mindfulness in the flow state, and what gets in your way of experiencing flow. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. Definitely a mind-blowing interview today that I know you're going to get incredible value from. Today's podcast rating and review comes from ABC, 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 ABC. (laughs) At least that's the name they left us. ABC says, as a recent certified mindset and performance coach, I'm constantly looking to expand my toolbox and learn from the best. My toolbox is overflowing from these podcasts. Cinder's enthusiasm is contagious, and the guests that she brings on are the best in their fields. Definitely agree. Listening to Cindra and her guests inspires me each week. Thank you so much, ABC. I'm grateful for your rating and review, and I would love to read yours next week. So wherever you're listening, head over and leave us a rating and review, and I'll make sure to read it and hopefully read yours next week on the podcast. Now be sure to share this episode with a friend. Think about who would want to learn about flow and how to facilitate flow from the best of the best. You can copy and paste this link wherever you're listening or take a screenshot and share it with a friend. You could also post it on social media and tag Sue and I. We'd be forever grateful and we can't wait to connect with you. You could also share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Syndra Campoff and Sue at Sue Jackson underscore flow. Without further ado, let's bring on the legendary Sue Jackson. Sue, welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I am so excited to talk with you and interview you. I've been really looking forward to this interview and I feel like I am speaking to a legend. (laughs) I heard so much about your work and have read uh, your book, Flow in Sports. um, And I heard a lot about your work. We both got our PhD at the same place. So Mm. I cannot wait to talk with you today. How are you doing from Australia? Yeah, it's really lovely to talk with you, Sindra. And so thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast, which is, um, yeah, an amazing um, event that you've had going for several years now. So good on you for doing that. And yeah, so it's great to be able to make that connection. And, and yes, the connection does go back to having shared PhD advisors at uh, UNC Greensboro and the, um, the legendary Dan Gould and also the legendary Diane Gill. And um, so I think that you arrived maybe eight years after I left. And um, yeah, it was, it was a great time being there and being a grad student, as you know, it's a, it's a great time to get immersed in knowledge and learning, but also just in uh, interacting with your, your fellow grad students and, and the uh, professors and so on. So Absolutely. it was a great time. And I know we both loved living in, in North Carolina, so I can't wait to send this to Dan and Diane and say, look who I talked to. <laughs> so I feel like- Hi, I, Dan. Hi, Diane. <laughs> I feel like I am talking to a legend right now. Um, you, and we're, we're going to talk about your work on flow, and I can't wait to talk more about it. But just to start, Sue, tell us a little bit about your passion and what you're doing right now. Yeah. 
So I think that, um, that that's a really hard question. Like, what is my passion? Like, I think it's um, probably um, is um, challenge is, as you understand, the flow concept is, is a central concept to, to understanding flow. And I think challenge is something that I have um, throughout life sort of been, I don't know, just directing towards sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. And, um, but I find that it's through being exposed to challenges and then being open to challenges that we can then find new pathways that we might not have otherwise. And, um, and then we learn more about ourselves through the process and, and we may tap into that wonderful state of flow that I know we're going to, to be talking about. Yes. So I think I just on reflecting on that question, I think I've seen that in my, in my life, um, both personally and professionally and an interest in, in challenge and in um, growth. So that mastery mindset idea. Well, just to start off the interview like that, Sue, I think about how some people might think to themselves, wow, challenges and embracing challenges and how they can help you grow and learn. That might be a new concept to people or a concept that they just struggle with. So I look forward to talking to you more about it. So kind of briefly tell us, I know you grew up in Australia, you came mm -hmm. here to the mm -hmm. US, get your master's at University of Illinois, and then your PhD mm -hmm. at University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And uh, just tell us a little bit about after you finished your PhD, you know, um, tell us a little bit about your journey to do what you're doing now. I think the journey to, to actually end up at the University of Illinois and North Carolina Greensboro, um, they were important parts of, of what I'm doing now. When I learned about sports psychology, it was, um, a burgeoning field but here in Australia there wasn't a lot um, in terms of training options and so when I decided oh that that sounds great my love of sport my love of understanding and analyzing things and people and behavior put those two things together and so I decided yeah I'll, I'll go across and, and do both my master's and then eventually my PhD in sports psychology at U of I and North Carolina Greensboro and both were fantastic experiences um, very different experiences. Um, and so then I think I went into doing those degrees thinking I would like to work and help athletes and coaches. Um, I'd already been doing that in my work as a physical education teacher and coach. And so I, I thought that's what I'd be doing. But then I got so immersed in the research side of things as a grad student, as you do, as you know, like you, you know, you, you just got to get like really into it. And I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed what I was studying, which was this concept of flow and motivation. And so then I had a bit of a crossroads, I probably had many of those throughout life as everyone does. But at the end, towards the end of my PhD, I got offered a job back in Australia at a university to do an academic, you know, start on that academic journey. And, um, excuse me, it's winter here and I don't have COVID. In fact, we don't even have active cases in our state at the moment, touch wood, but um, I have a bit of a cough, so excuse me. But um, I had the option to, to come back to Australia, which I wanted to do and do an academic, um, embark on that academic journey and continue my studies or to do an internship at the USOC and oh, wow. uh, to go down that pathway of being able to like immerse myself in high performance and working directly with athletes and coaches. And it was a real tough one. And obviously if I'd chosen the other path, it would have been a very different journey that I would have gone down on. Uh, and I think the deciding factor was that 
I wanted to come back to Australia. <laughs> and so that, that won out. And so then I ended up being in the academic setting for, for many years. So from 93 to 2007, I started to go part-time in that role when I had my two sons who are now almost 22 and just 20. And so I decided I wanted to be part-time during that part of my journey. And then I was realizing that part-time academic work was just pretty hard to sustain, particularly in the Australian university system, wasn't really catered for or, or supported at that time. So then I started to gravitate back more towards working directly with people. And I guess to cut back to where I am right now is that's what I'm doing is I still have an involvement in research and a curiosity and a love for research, but I'm not connected in with an academic program and I am working as a psychologist, working with high performance and working with people that are struggling uh, and working with, um, you know, the whole continuum. And, and so that's been, I, I don't think I really anticipated that. Um, that's just the way, um, the way things are at the moment. And, and that's been, again, a lot of learning for me to be, to be doing the role that I am right now. Yeah, absolutely. So what a cool, interesting journey. And uh, what I'd love to hear about is what made you decide to study this idea of flow? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that um, for me was just an eye-opening experience to learn at the time. So that was when I was at University of Illinois, which was 1986 to 88. And um, Glenn Roberts was my uh, master's advisor and I really enjoyed that opportunity to learn from Glenn and he certainly extended me intellectually and really encouraged me to, to think about what was my passion, what did I want to study, what was I really interested in and it was definitely within the area he was working in which was achievement motivation and um, I was so fortunate at that time when I was at the University of Illinois to um, to learn from Glenn, Marty Mayer, um, Carol Dweck was at the U of I at that time, and, and Carol Ames, and then John Nichols, who worked very, uh, very much in the um, achievement motivation space um, until his untimely death. All of these people were contributing to my understanding and that it was just an amazing experience to learn about what motivates us and, and how to understand it through the lens of achievement motivation theory and how perception of ability really matters and how whether we have a fixed or a growth mindset matters. So that's what I was really interested in. And then I read Csikszentmihalyi's first book on flow, which yes. is called Beyond Boredom and Anxiety. And I just happen to have it here. Nice. This is the book that I read. And I read that. And when I was still working out what I was going to do for my graduate thesis and, and in that book, I, was reading about the best experiences I'd had as an athlete that I, before having read the book, didn't have a language for it. I didn't have, mm. like I knew that there were these times that really stood out for me and that were fun and that were high performance times. And, and I just, nobody had talked about them. And, and certainly there was not, I wasn't even familiar with the term flow until I read the book. And then I guess that just, once I read the book, I'm like, this is it, you know, this, and, and in the book, Beyond Boredom and Anxiety, which is, um, as I said, Csikszentmihalyi's first book on flow, he, he has um, studies with 
people in a number of different areas. He's also signed my book, which is really lovely. I uh, could just imagine. Looking through, but just want to get. So he looks at um, flow in chess, in rock climbing, in dancing, and in surgery. Um, and so those are pretty diverse activities. And and that yet the experience was very consistent. So whether the person was playing chess or they're, they're a surgeon performing a, an important operation, this experience of being fully engaged in a task was quite a consistent experience is what Chicks at Mihai found. So my interest was then tapping into, well, in sport, is that something that athletes experience and, and is it important to them and, and in what ways and so on. So that's how I, I got interested in it. That's wonderful. And, you know, your, your dissertation, award-winning dissertation that really studied how flow is applied in sport or how it manifests in sport. And mm -hmm. I love that if I got this right, you just had coffee with Czechs like Mihai. And if people don't know who he is, he's like, he's like the flow master, right? He yes. coined yeah. the term. And uh, I think about how awesome that was that you just met him and had coffee with him and then you partnered up to write a book called flow and sports so tell us a bit about how that actually happened mm, yeah well i um when i read beyond boredom and anxiety i noted that he was at the university of chicago and i was at the university of illinois at urbana champaign which is three hours south and so i thought oh well he's in the same state i wonder if i could contact him and i i think it was maybe an email or a phone call to begin with i'm not sure but um i was just reaching out to ask him you know do you think it would be worth me looking at flow in my research and in athletes and you know and and is that um have you got any ideas or suggestions on and that and you know as as grad students do <laughs> and, um and uh anyway i was just very fortunate to have um chicks at Mihai or mike uh, so his name is mihai chicks at Mihai, hungarian um born and, and in america he decided that mike was a lot easier um, <laughs> to pronounce than mihai so <clears throat> mike very gracious in his time and um so i was able to meet with him on a few different occasions. And um, I, um, I included an aspect of flow in my master's and then I went on and I included, well, flow became my, my PhD dissertation. And the reason that it did, the reason that um, flow became my focus, one of the big reasons I think was in my, when I was at U of I and I was doing my research with um, those athletes, Div 1 athletes at U of I across a number of sports and looking at motivation and performance, I decided to interview a subsample. So while it was a quantitative um, self-report study, I decided that I also was going to interview a small subsample. And in that interview, I was going to start asking them about flow just to see, you know, what I'd find. Yeah. And that became for me, the most powerful part of the whole research process, actually sitting in this little tiny grad office, doing an interview with these athletes and just being blown away by how important flow was to them. Hmm. And they too generally didn't have a language for it, but it was their driving force in many, many ways. And it was, it was and then the curious thing was that I'd get up, we'd finish the interview, I'd get up to leave and I'd have several of them thank me for asking them about their experience rather than their performance oh, wow. and saying things like everyone always asks me about my performance, you know, how did you go? You know, what was the result? What, you know, what happened? And, 
And yet here was I asking them about, well, what's your experience like when you're performing? Hmm. And I realized that that was a really valuable area to tap into. So that then became my PhD is to look at that in more in depth. Wonderful. So just in case people, right, I, I think the word flow and zone, maybe people might call it, right? I think it's a, it's in our language. We use it a lot, but I think we should define exactly what it means as we talk more about, okay, how do we more consistently experience flow? And so I heard you say um, being fully immersed in the task. How would you describe what flow is for those people who are listening? Yeah, it's being totally engaged in a task and words like immersion, absorption um, are useful words. And that total task engagement leads to a somewhat different state of awareness or consciousness than what our normal state of awareness or consciousness is and it's a heightened state of awareness so that we are much more in tune with what we're doing we're much more aware of the relationship between ourselves and the performance so Mm -hmm. if we're um, an athlete with the equipment that we might be using or the surfaces on which we're performing or the teammates like there's there's just much more of an intuitive connection happening there because of the total task engagement. So that's the, the thing that, that then allows you to experience a heightened state of awareness that then is often associated with your best levels of performance. And as I learned, just as importantly, with your most enjoyable experiences, as in the, the things that make you do what you do and, and um, that you remember as, um, as the important aspects of, of your time in that activity. So Sue, do you think that you, you just mentioned that, you know, it's often related to high performance or our peak performance if we're performing at our best. Mm-hmm. Could we also experience flow when we aren't necessarily performing at our best? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I don't think you're going to perform poorly when you're in flow. However, you can perform, uh, you can be doing something that's not even a performance and be in flow. Like uh, you can be reading a book and and Chicksimi High's one of his books is actually on finding flow in everyday life. So I think it's called the psychology of engagement with everyday life. And that was a 1997 publication. And, and that was uh, a summation of his research, looking at people through the research lens that he did, the experience sampling method, looking at people living their lives and and how flow might appear in their lives. So flow is not just reserved for high performance. It's, It's more an experience that we can tap into and that if, if we are performing, it's likely to enhance our performance. And if we're not performing, it's likely to enhance our experience. And so it's, yeah, it's a really valuable state to, to understand. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk more about with you is this idea of the challenge and skill balance. Um, Mm. And so tell us a bit about this concept, how it relates to flow and how would you describe, you know, this challenge and skill relationship? So operationally, Chicksemi-High has defined flow as a balance between challenges and skills where both are being extended for the individual So you're stepping out of your comfort zone with a level of skill that will enable you to do so effectively. 
Um, and so both challenge and skill are relevant to, to the experience of flow. And it's, it's thought that when you've got the challenges slightly extending the skills, that's going to be most conducive to a flow experience. And we had a little discussion before um, we went on to the, the interview about, you know, what, what might that ratio be? And, um, and I think that it's probably an individual um, variance factor there as to how, what is the size of that gap between the difference between challenges and skills. But I think that just that sense that you're going to move beyond wanting to be fully in control of a situation, which is a state that, you know, in an achievement situation, we often want to gravitate towards, we want to feel in control. It's being able to step out of that a little bit and to at the same time trust your skills will be able to allow you to, to perform at that next level. Right, absolutely. And so we were talking to catch people up on our conversation. We were talking about the book, The Rise of the Superman and by Stephen Kotler. And we were talking about in this book, I was asking Sue about it before we hit record. And Stephen talks about how uh, to experience flow, what you're doing should be 4% greater than your skill level in order to keep your attention and release dopamine. And so he suggests that when we move beyond the 4% that we can become over challenged. And we were just talking about mm. that it may or may not be 4%, but it, you're, mm. you're kind of saying, Sue, that it's individualized. Can you kind of describe that a little bit more. And I think really the point is, is that the challenge should equal the skill. Like, so I think about if I was playing Michael Jordan in basketball, like neither of us would get in the flow, right? Because- I don't know. Uh, I think Michael Jordan can probably get into flow pretty much anytime. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I think Michael Jordan can get into flow pretty much on demand. I think that's one <laughs> of the things that separates him or separated him as a as a player, um, he yeah, is very much a great point. example of, of, of someone that could just flick a switch and, and, and go into, um, you know, an optimal state. And most of us don't have that switch to flick, unfortunately. <laughs> it's something we can develop. Yeah, we can certainly get better at it. But I think that Michael Jordan is, is, is a rare exception and he's not the only one. Of course, there, there are other people that, uh, outstanding performers as well and um right now that was my cat <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> hello Layla. when she get when she feels like she's alone she gets all upset and she cries she and then she's found so she's okay now sorry <laughs> so i think that to get back to your question we can all improve our potential to experience flow we can train for it it's not something that most of us in, in my opinion, and maybe this is me putting limitations on it, but I don't think most of us will just be able to flick a switch and get into flow. But I think that um, I suppose the example of Michael Jordan shows that there's that potential for us as human beings to be able to do it. And, and, uh, and certainly there are other, other examples of, you know, um, outstanding performers who probably have got that level of, of control. And for Michael Jordan, I think it was very much a, a motivation factor as well that, that was so strong, you know, having um, watched his documentary um, recently. Yeah, I thought that was a great insight into the mind of a high performer. Yeah, I did as well. And, and 
when I watched it, I thought about how he found motivation in everything. And sometimes he would even make up stories. Exactly. Motivation, right? And, yeah. uh, and he was able to, yeah, uh, kind of what you said, flip that switch really quickly. So yeah. I like what you said, Sue, is like improve our potential to experience yeah. flow. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, getting back to the, what's that ratio of the challenge skill balance, you know, for someone like Michael Jordan, it was probably, um, he wanted that ratio to be quite large because his skill set was so high. Mm. And as you said, like he'd want to find ways to motivate himself and, and whatever it took to, to motivate himself just so that that challenge would be upped for him. And so I think it's about having a good self-awareness and this is where mindfulness is for me, you know, the pathway to, to learn, to get better, to tap into your potential, to experience flow. So having an awareness of what your skill set is in the task situation that, that you are wanting to experience flow in and that you're wanting to perform well in and understanding what the challenges are. So being clear on the challenges, being clear on your skills, and then recognizing that both of those are modifiable. Mm. We can modify challenges up and down. We can always, build our skills. We generally, we don't want to downgrade our skills unless, for example, Michael Jordan's playing Syndra in a one-on-one on basketball and then perhaps, you know, but um, those sort of situations, like mostly we are wanting to be constantly getting better. I mean, that's what motivation is. It's to be learning, it's to be developing, it's to be getting to a higher skill set. And for high performers, that's that's, that's what drives all high performers, isn't it? It's about, okay, can I get to that next step? And then can I get to that next step and, and so on? And having said that, I just like a caution that, that I have learned through experience and, and through talking with athletes too, is that if it's always the focus on the next step, mm-hmm. then you can also lose the joy of the moment. And so you, the journey is what's important. And that's come through with my research with elite athletes. And it's certainly something that Chicks and Me High would, would strongly emphasize is that the performance is important. However, it's the experience that you have along the way that determines ultimately the quality of, of what that experience is like and how it's remembered. So if you have an absolutely terrible experience in a high performer setting whatever that setting is whether it's the corporate world or the elite athlete world or uh, performing arts um, you you achieve amazing things but you are absolutely unhappy so you you're constantly challenged and you can build your skills and so on and so you can tap into flow you may be gifted and so you're more likely to get to really high levels but if your experience along the way is horrible then got to question that and um and so I, I have learnt over the years of, of researching flow and sort of reflecting myself on my experiences that that journey is really important and that it's about being able to be in the experience of what you are doing and, and to find a way within that experience to get immersed in it, to get yourself focused on the task, to find a challenge skill balance in whatever you're doing and... Um, and to, to allow yourself to experience positive qualities um, and to 
if you can't be experiencing positive qualities to see what can you do, what's within your control to enable you to find some level of positive qualities. You know, we're living in a time now where that, that's pretty demanding all around for everyone. So it is more, more of a challenge. But yeah, I, I do recall that athletes, um, no matter what level they had attained, and that was including, you know, those who had attained the very top of their sport. So won national championships, won Olympic medals. And for them, the message that I was getting was what was important was the experience that they were having. And, and those flow experiences was what were motivating them to continue in what they were doing equally, if not more so than what next level of achievement they could attain. And Sue, do you think that this intrinsic motivation, just enjoying what you're doing is that, I know that's one of the components of flow, but is that a prerequisite? Like, meaning can I not get in flow if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing? Hmm. And I think that it's not regarded as a prerequisite. It's actually regarded more as um, one of the outcome experiences of being in flow that then becomes a driver for you to seek out more flow is that you've, hmm. you tap into it. It is enjoyable. And then that then becomes a motivator. Oh, that was a really enjoyable experience. I would like to experience that again. Yes. Um, so I think it's more once you've experienced flow, that's, then sets the stage for you to, well, if, if you want to be motivated by it, like it's totally, everyone has a choice whether that matters to them or not, but I haven't come across anyone that's like, oh yeah, flow is great. And I don't care if I experience it anymore. Like it's flow is great. And I'd really like to experience it some more. Yes. So then, yeah, it's about how do we help people to do that? I think one of your messages that you just said is really powerful that we can, modify our challenge and modify our skill. And what I heard you say is like that we can continue to improve our skill, but we can find this challenge and skill balance more often. I'd love to learn more from your perspective on like, how do we actually do that? I'm thinking about people that are listening who might be, you know, business leaders. How can I tap into that or um, coaches or athletes? So how do we develop the challenge skill balance? Yeah. How do we find it? How do we find it? Find it, develop yeah. it. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about how we might modify that. Mm. Well, I think sport, um, and that might've been why um, Csikszentmihalyi was interested in, in helping me develop my interest in looking at flow and sport. Sport by its very structure um, has inbuilt challenges and and probably in the the corporate world there's inbuilt challenges in terms of like levels of achievement and levels of attainment and so on and so when you've got something structured like sport or work the challenges they're they're generally evident and it's a matter of then developing the next precondition for flow which is clear goals so then you need to set for yourself clear goals so the challenges are there then you define well which challenges are going to be relevant to you and then what skills do you bring to that and then in an ongoing process it's this it's not like oh i found the challenge skill balance i'm here now <laughs> you know it's like that's the starting point and then an activity by definition is, is like moves forward like it's not just a static thing and so it's about continuing to find that challenge skill balance and continuing to move forward and that's where the other two preconditions for flow that chicks at me high and jean nakamura his long-term colleague have identified from the dimensions of flow 
clear goals and unambiguous feedback. So first of all, having clear goals about um, well, what, what for me is the challenge? What skills do I need to bring? So that's like putting the, it's kind of putting a process to the challenge skill balance is the clear goals and then taking on board feedback as you go. So being able to receive feedback. So having, you need to have a situation where there's feedback about your performance and then being able to take that on board in a way that will then allow you to continue to work in a place where that balance is moving forward. Excellent. So Sue, earlier you said like we can improve our potential to experience flow. And that's what I want to talk about next is like, how do we, and we've talked about a little bit about that, but let's talk about it more in depth. It's like, how do we experience this more often? Because honestly, I'd love to experience it multiple times in one day. You know, <laughs> I want to experience it more often as I know the people who are listening um, do as well. So yeah. what would you say is one of the main ways that we can improve our potential to experience flow? Yeah. So I think find an activity that you enjoy is a good starting point um, because you're more likely to be able to tap into flow in that activity. So for you, Sindra, what, what one activity do you find flow in like most of all, most of all or, or you know that it's more likely to occur in what for you would that be? Um, I would say two that come to my mind right away, like running for sure, particularly when I'm really fit and uh, go, goes by a little bit quicker. Um, and then writing, I really like to write. And so sometimes yeah. I can write for a couple hours and I'm like, whoa, yeah. what just happened yeah. at the time? Yeah, like very, very similar. Like um, definitely for me, um, writing and reading and, and then doing um, different sports. And so I think if you can tap into... So start, particularly if you're wanting to cultivate your understanding of flow and your experience of flow is start with an activity that you're already able to immerse yourself into. So it's not like it's really hard for you to concentrate because we've, we've already discussed how the defining feature of flow is being totally engaged in the task. So you want to choose a task where that's going to be facilitated for you. And then, uh, and then once you've got the ability to experience flow in that activity, then you're learning about what, what does it take from you internally and, and what in your external environment does it take for you to be able to experience flow and you can apply that to, to other activities. So I think that's probably a good starting point. And then in terms of one's internal world, I think learning to understand that we can be in the present moment and that we have that part of being a human being is having an awareness of our experience and another part of being a human being is that we have a thinking mind and it's the thinking mind that we tend to get emphasized and particularly, you know, going through that academic life, you know, it's that thinking mind that's really important and for school kids and for university students. And, and then if you're going into a job, you know, it's about learning the skills, getting the information. And so it's always emphasized about our thinking, but as we both know, our thinking isn't always helpful or accurate and there's this other part of being a human which is about being able to tap in to the information our senses are giving us and so we're talking now about this whole realm of mindfulness and so being able to develop the awareness of where you are like where you are in terms of your your focus of attention um, is the first point and then being able to train to bring your attention back to the present because our minds will always wander away from the present 
and but we can definitely get better at becoming noticing when we're not in the present and bringing ourselves back to the present more quickly and then without judgment so mindfulness for me is is the key pathway to flow nice that's really helpful to hear that perspective that developing mindfulness is the way to tap in or a way or the main way to tap into the flow experience so we've talked about on this podcast in the past about you know how do you be in the present more often, but what would you say is, as people who are listening, who, who want to experience this more often, Sue, what would you say is maybe the way to start? To start being in the present more often? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, practicing with, um, with a mindfulness, um, a very simple mindfulness practice like your breathing and, and following your breathing and, and developing the amount of time that you might, you might start with one minute of just following the breathing and that's all you're going to pay attention to and you'll notice in that one minute that you probably your mind wandered and then you know you're starting off a new skill and so then you'll gradually develop the the challenge there in terms of what you pay attention to and you might start that breathing practice lying down on the floor where there's no distractions and then ultimately you might be in a really chaotic sports uh, moment in terms of you know a lot of things happening or uh, you're in a very uh, chaotic and high pressured forming situation in the corporate world and and you're still able to notice your breathing uh, and you're still able to connect with the present moment through that so yeah it's it's learning the skill and then being able to develop that skill and then to be able to apply it to the situations where you're going to most need it um, which is is in those those performing situations. Absolutely. But you can't just expect that. Oh, okay, yeah, I practiced once or twice, and so now I'm, I've got it. It's like, as anyone that um, is familiar with mindfulness, and if you are already working in that space, it's a it's a lifelong journey. Yes, that's helpful. Uh, just by just to say that that it's not something that you just practice once and and you can be mindful. So it is a lifelong journey. You know, what about those people who say, I just want to flip on a switch to get in flow? <laughs> what would you say to that, Sue? Good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're Michael Jordan, then, yep, you probably don't even need the luck. Um, you know, some, we, we all know those people that are highly gifted and, and, and have that ability to flip, flick on a switch or, or um, just move into a different zone. But, but for most of us, it's, it's, um, it's a pathway and it, it involves a dedication. It involves, first of all, a motivation. So you want to decide, is it important for you? Because once you, once you make something an intention, then it's more likely to be in your awareness and to, to be something that guides you and, and, and also you become aware when you're, not, when you're moving away from that intention. And... And then, uh, yeah, developing um, skills in your, in your arena, whatever that is, um, and being open to feedback, taking on a mastery mindset or a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. Because obviously, if you have a fixed mindset, like there's, you might achieve flow, but you're not going to continue to achieve flow because you, you can't ever improve your skills. So, you know, by definition, if you, if you only have a certain level of skills and reached it, it's there's not going to be um, a pathway to flow. So it's very much about having an ability to 
to see failure as learning and and to be able to become resilient in that way to um to to challenges or knockbacks if you want to call them that and and then i think um also what's important is while i've said having that intention for flow is 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 important it's not what you want to be focused on while you're doing the activity like if you're like it's kind of like it's no use if you're doing um if you're in a race and you say your your focus is on you want to win like it's and that you just keep coming back to that i mean most of the time that's not going to be helpful and if you similarly go into that race and you're like, I want to be in flow, I want to be in flow. <laughs> it's like you're making yourself further and further away from flow because you're kind of trying to force something versus letting go of all of the things that get in the way of getting into flow. Mm. Oh, that's really, really powerful. And I'm so glad that you said that. That's going to be my next question. Like, should we have a goal of experiencing flow more often? And if we're so focused on, you know, getting in the flow, then that prohibits prohibits us from getting there because we're thinking more about the outcome instead of like being fully fully immersed in the present. Yeah. Besides, like you know, thinking about getting in the flow prohibit prohibits us from getting there. What other things, in your opinion, prohibits us from getting in the flow? Like, I'm wondering if an outcome focus, like focusing yes. on, you know, the the score or if you're winning or you're losing. Mm-hmm. that would get in my way of really mm-hmm. being immersed in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, so definitely forcing it, focusing on outcomes, focusing on yourself. So mm-hmm. there's a difference between focusing on the task, which involves yourself and focusing on yourself as uh, something to evaluate. And so we, as humans, we get very much caught up in, what's called self-consciousness yes worried about how are we presenting ourselves how are we performing are we doing well enough what's so and so going to think Mm -hmm. what are they thinking of me right now i'm no good so once you get caught into that self 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 then you're just so far away from anything positive including flow because you're not focused on the task you're focused on yourself in a way that's got that's just layered with judgments and evaluation so one of the dimensions of flow that has been consistently found um, across different settings is a loss of self-consciousness so you let go of that worry about yourself and 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 about evaluation so i think that's that's a real critical one and and probably one of the more challenging ones and it's when when you do get that, that I think that's what makes, that's one of the things that makes flow so special is that you can just lose yourself in the activity and stop worrying about yourself for, for that period of time. Yeah. So that, that loss of self-consciousness, that's, that's like a critical one. Yeah. So um, one of the things that makes flow so special is being able to get totally absorbed in what you're doing and to forget about yourself for a little while and forget about your worries and forget about evaluation and performance. And that, that I think is, is really what sets flow apart is, is that ability to just become really so involved with what you're doing that nothing else matters. And, and yeah, so you're really, you're fully engaged and and you're, you're living life fully at that moment. So I think about how flow is, how it's um, connected to failure or mistakes. And 
I think what you just said is really powerful, Sue, that if we're beating ourselves up after making a mistake, right, then all of a sudden we don't have that loss of self-consciousness. We're thinking too much about the task at hand and, and thinking about ourselves. You know, tell us a bit more about how do you think the flow states connect to mistakes or failure? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think I've been talking about how flow is, is connected in with mastery or growth mindset. And that was one of the things that I was looking at in my research, both as a grad student and subsequently was looking at relationships between the achievement motivation model that will define a mastery mindset and an outcome mindset and an experience of flow. And definitely, you know, mastery wins every time, like having that growth mindset, being able to to take on personal challenges and to define success by achieving a next personal challenge, whatever that is. And then, and then you're already like into that, that place of you're aware of challenge and skills and you've defined challenges in skills in a way that you have control over. So your clear goals are about things that you have control over, which is your performance and the process of your performance versus all of those other things that we can get caught up in that we don't have control over, like the weather, like the opposition, like the fact that we tripped when we didn't think we were going to fall and and things like that, because there was something in the environment that made us trip. So all of these things that we don't have control over, there's no point making that our focus. Um, Our focus is, okay, so what what is my goal here? What, what What is the thing that I'm wanting to to develop and learn and, and achieve here and then getting the feedback about how you how you're doing in relation to that. Because as you know, like if you're if you're doing something and you get not getting any feedback, you you start to question. So that the problem with not getting feedback as you go along is that that mind, that questioning mind will go, well, how am I actually doing? And is this good enough? And why am I doing this? And 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 so yeah, the getting the feedback is important so that that's something the coach uh, you know a coach or a mentor can can help with is is providing feedback to to help you and i guess that's why coaches and mentors are so important one reason is that they'll be able to provide feedback to you as you're on your journey it's really hard when when you you're doing it alone and when you are not able to to get feedback about how you're going absolutely Well, Sue, I think I could talk to you for several hours about flow. I'm so grateful that you were here spending the time with us today. I'm going to work to summarize today and then would love to hear about how people can connect with you and any other final words that you have. So we defined flow as uh, being fully immersed or engaged in the task at hand. And we talked about how many times when you experience flow, you're also experiencing a peak performance. And that it happens when there's this balance between the challenge and skill, but we can modify that, which I think is is powerful just to consider. You talked about how mindfulness is um, the gateway or pathway to experience the flow and that we can improve our potential to experience flow, but it's really about you know, I think, I think the mindfulness part is powerful because it's about being engaged in the present moment. And then I loved uh, at the end when we were talking about like what gets in our way of experiencing flow with like forcing it or focusing on the outcomes or um, focusing on yourself, being self-conscious. 
and uh, really being free of judgment is really key. So Sue, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm so grateful to talk with you and to pick your brain about the flow experience. So how could people reach out to you, connect with you as I know that they'll want to? Tell us where we can find you maybe on social media or uh, the web. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you again. Uh, it was really enjoyable to to chat with you. And um, I think you summarized um, where we went with, with this interview really well. And yeah, I just encourage people to to be curious about flow and, and to know that the more flow experiences you build, you're, you're building a library of of special experiences that will define your life and, and that um, will make your life worth living. And uh, so it's really worth the journey. People can find me, my, my website is bodyandmindflow.com.au. And that's, I, I came up with that name many years ago. And, and I think it, the reason that I did is that I'm very much interested in the connection between body and mind. And, and so that's, you can find out about what I do there at my website, also on Facebook under the same tagline, Body and Mind Flow. Instagram is uh, Sue Jackson Flow, so Sue Jackson underscore Flow, and uh, very occasionally on Twitter, Dr. Sue Jackson. But I think if people wanted to learn more about what I do, the website's a good place to start, and then they can also contact me through there. And so, like, if if anybody wanted to um, to engage in some consulting or, or coaching obviously with zoom now and with online platforms you don't have to be in in sunny queensland to to be <laughs> able to connect and so that's that's been one of the the beauties of um one of the few positives of, of this really challenging time we're living in is is that how technology can connect us and and so yeah it's possible to to uh, connect with anyone anytime really and the book flow in sports that you mentioned so that was a publication that came out many years ago now it's 1999 and uh, it came out um, right at the time my first son was born so there's like two achievements at the <laughs> same time and so that was co-authored with uh at me high and um and that's like a nice practical um book about you know what's flow how do you achieve flow and, and some um ways you don't have to be an athlete to to get something from that book it's it's um it's called flow in sports but it's it's about how to how to tap into flow and um i was um, very fortunate to have chicks at me high join me on that journey so that was a real special opportunity for me Absolutely. An incredible book. I've read it multiple times. It's in my office at the university or I would have had it to show you today, but <laughs> incredible book. And Sue, I'm just so grateful that you spent the time helping us think about how we can experience flow more often. And I think what you said at the end was perfect, that it really allows us to be more fulfilled in our lives. And I think that's the are all seeking. So Sue, mm. I'm grateful for the right, time thank with, you very with much. us today. It's lovely to speak with you. Thank you, Sindra. Way to go for finishing another episode of the High Performance Mindset. I'm giving you a virtual fist pump. Holy cow, did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, remember to subscribe and you can head over to Dr. Sindra for show notes and to join my exclusive community for high performers where you get access to videos about mindset each week. So again, you can head over to Dr. Sindra, that's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A dot com. See you next week.